Hello, my friend. I'm Nat Fox, and welcome to the Risk Takers podcast. In 2012, I took a risk, resigned from my job, which was very scary, and I asked myself, what would I do for free? What would I love to do even if I wasn't getting paid? My answer was traveling, writing, and encouraging people. Now, I had many moments of freaking out, of course, but this led me off the beaten path to become curious, to ask questions. I ended up becoming a travel writer, a tour guide to Alaska. I moved to Hong Kong, Boston, and New York twice, all without knowing a soul. I wrote a mentoring program, became a radio host. Each of these things have one thing in common. I took a massive risk. Now, I've had my share of challenges. I've faced a lot of pain, as we all have, and I'll share more of these stories as we go along. But I wanted to create this platform to gather together some of the biggest dreamers, the most amazing creative minds that I know. When we were little, we took risks, we dreamt big, and somewhere along the way, we kind of lost part of ourselves. And so I would love to encourage us all to bring that part of us back, to awaken that part of us. And so that's what this podcast is all about, to remind us who we truly are, how brave and uniquely special we are, and that we all have something beautiful to bring this world. So I'm on a mission to inspire 1 million people to take the risk they've always dreamed of. Welcome to the Risk Takers podcast. I'm cheering you on and here's today's episode. Today's very special guest is the incomparable Bruce Kibor, hospitality industry icon and co-founder of The Big Group with his wife, Chica, which they started 30 years ago. It's the most spectacular hospitality and event styling company that has ever graced the planet. They create magical and movie set worthy spaces for every event under the sun. Their passion is to make people happy and bring joy, which is so amazing. And their team do that by delivering unforgettable experiences that celebrate life's biggest moments, hosting over 12,500 of the most extravagant and elaborate weddings, events and parties you've ever seen. Melbourne is the events capital of Australia and the big group are huge, a huge reason why this is so. They're the kings and queens of the Melbourne Spring Racing Carnival, Australian Open, Grand Prix to name a few. And they've just launched one of the most beautiful venues I've ever been to, the Commons at Ormond Collective. Huge congratulations and welcome to the Risk Takers podcast, Bruce Keeble. My God, Nat, I'm nervous now after all of that. (laughs) You've built me up so far. I don't don't want to disappoint everyone. No, oh my goodness, not at all. I mean, I the. Just watching your story and seeing all that you've done and all your passions, you know, your passion for people and making people feel special and the creating beauty, um, that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you because you've inspired me so much and I know that our listeners are going to be so thrilled to hear from you and so inspired. So thank you for your time. It's an absolute pleasure. (laughs) Now I've been thinking of you and Chica and the team because this is a a very different time of year for you guys. Paint a picture for us. What would this time of year normally look like? for you well it's funny isn't it i hate looking back so that's not really part of my nature but you know it's only in certain times by looking back that you can look forward so um normally at this time of the year we would be really in high season so we would have just come through melbourne cup which for us is you know just such a massive time of the year not only with the work that we would do in the birdcage on track at flemington but of course so much um, major launching happens in, in Melbourne around that time. So massive sort of corporate work, massive wedding season, yeah. um, massive racing season. And then, of course, we're running straight into Christmas. So, um, yeah, we would normally have minimum 1,500, 1,600 staff working, you know, five to seven days a week. 
um, kitchens operating 24 hours a day and trucks on the road going God only knows where. So, yeah, we would be running on borrowed energy about now. <laughs> yeah. And the reason I wanted to, sh- to hear that was because just of the magnitude of what you what your, your team are capable of and what you love to do so much. And you're still doing it. And we're going to talk about the commons because that's just, I'm very thrilled to be speaking about that. But first, let's take a step And back. actually, sorry, funnily enough, I'm just oh. thinking, I actually wouldn't even be here. I was getting on a plane <gasps> to Saudi Arabia oh my on goodness. the night of the Melbourne Cup to do the G20 summit, which is on the 20th of November. There you go. <laughs> all, of that would have, all of that would have been happening and myself and the team would have been in the desert. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <gasps> wow. It's pretty funny. It is. The change is good. Yeah, it is. Look, and, and I, you would be over there and I wouldn't be talking to you probably right now. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'm certainly very yeah inspired is the word that I would say when I look at all that you do and all you're passionate about. Have you always been like this? Have you always been so passionate about people and entertaining? And what was what was younger Bruce like? Yeah, it's a funny one because when I look back at that little, you know, little tubby boy who wasn't so great at sport with the big daggy glasses, the best fun I had as a kid was actually going on the tram to and from school yeah. because for me that was um, where I could socialise and muck around with people and laugh and, and have fun. So that element of really enjoying people and seeing the best in people um, I suppose, yeah, started on the Glen Ferry Road tram. So, yeah, that was my, my ideal of a good time, going to school and leaving school. The bit in the middle I did not, <laughs> not enjoy. And my best mates to this day, you know, all came from my, you know, young school life. Um, so I, I, I love my upbringing. I love my childhood. But I, I really love being on the tram the best. <laughs> that's fascinating. I love that. And that's maybe that's, you know, that that's the spark of adventure as well, you know, going somewhere and being with people and traveling, even if it was only on the tram, you know, that got you, oh, yeah. got you started. On, the, on a Friday and Saturday night, you know, there would be a word, but this is long before Facebook and Instagram and, you know, text messaging. But, you know, you'd hear on the grapevine that someone's parents had gone away. Yep. So we'd all get on the Turak Road tram and yep. we'd jump off at Kuyong Road and we'd all, you know, 300 of us would end up at some poor parent's house and, <laughs> and we'd end up having like an impromptu party and it was, it was great. So, you know, every weekend it was something, you know, naughty to get up to. And, um, but, you know, they, it usually surrounded people and parties. So that's a theme that hasn't really stopped. Oh. Yeah, you were, it was your destiny to do this. I love it. <laughs> and I love, you know, just reading a little bit about your story and you and Chica met on a plane, funnily enough, you know, adventure, both adventurers, and you launched the big group. And so how did that come about in terms of you both were working in catering? Yeah. And so yeah. you already had that, the, both of you had, you know, you came with your own strengths and skills and passions and then you've come together to to launch this baby, this project? Yeah, well, I had, um, the Cheeks um, was the, and they went to London. Um, their parents were trying to get away from some boy, I think, from memory. So they forced <laughs> her to go to London and she did the Cordon Bleu course. And, yes. You know, she always loved cooking. And, yeah. You know, her favourite thing is, you know, and, and to this day, like she, I'm in town, but she's down at Mainridge, you know, and she's, you know, picking herbs from the garden and cutting bay leaves for, you know, vases in the house. And her whole thing is about homemaking and entertaining. It's always been innate. So she'd sort of gone to Cordon Bleu and done the cooking class, so she was the you know trained chef. And then I had um, I had left school and uh, originally wanted to be a diplomat, and I right. saw myself sort of swanning around the you know the Paris embassy hosting parties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I needed law to get in and was too dumb, so I didn't get the mark. So then I thought, what will I do? So I ended up working at Pellegrini's um, for Nino and Sister Francesco and um, serving granitas and coffee. And they were just the loveliest people. I thought, oh, this hospitality's got something in it. So then 
I um, did hotel management. And from there, I went to Peter Rowland, the caterer, and had just the most amazing time. And on one job, we were going up to do something in Queensland for Christopher Scase. And the girl who normally came with me, uh, they must have been sick or something, and on walks this redhead with flaming red curls down to her back. And that was that. And we could have got on like a house on fire. And uh, we've been together sort of ever since. Bar a break when she thought I'd be better for a sister, but we got rid of that problem. <laughs> oh, well, that's, I'm glad that sorted itself out. And it did pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's sort of how it started. And then, then we had a recession. And so yeah. in that recession, um, Roland's were, you know, under the pump because, you know, had all these super wealthy clients who were no longer super wealthy and probably not spread enough with, you know, broader markets. Um, And so I'd sort of been, you know, flying around in corporate jets and stuff at 18 or 19 to go and do all these parties and then um, got the the wonderful, glamorous offer of, you know, driving the vans to drop food off around the place. I thought, oh, shit, I've done too much for that. So um, I left and went to Spotless and um, worked in one of their big venues and then learnt a lot actually yep. about financial control and budgeting and you know the, the boring but important parts of business, and then um, started big group after that. So yeah, so and and it was a very good um, collaboration of skills because you know Cheeks had the detail and I sort of had the the big picture stuff, and, mm. um, and together that's just worked a dream you know between the two of us. And that's what I love so much about collaboration too, because not only is it more um, exciting when you're doing it with someone else, but then you bring your own. Um, backgrounds and strength to the table and obviously you have you know the relationship going as well and so in terms of your just the dreams that you had for the company but even along the whole time whether it's at the beginning or you know later on what were what comes to mind as the big risks like the oh my gosh if this doesn't work we're in trouble or we're doing it anyway like I have to do this risk what can you speak um, to that? Mm, I think um, I always, I suppose, did dream big, and I, I think I called it the big group because I had this vision of sort of a big group of creative individuals all working together, you know. Yeah. And at that stage, there really was just the two of us. <laughs> and I, you know, in my mind, that was like, oh, there's just no way I'll be answering the phone and driving the truck and picking up the carrots for <laughs> too much longer. So, you know, my vision was always about scale and yeah. um, scalability of business. That's a really important aspect, you know, to the way I like to think. Um, and so, yeah, so I, you know, the dreams and the risks, uh, I mean, I, I take very calculated risks and I'm a strategic planner, so I don't really do anything off the cuff. Mm. Um, I plan it, I rethink it, I reset it, um, and then once I've locked it in, I don't vary. So, um, but I go by my gut primarily. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, we've got an amazing executive team here and of course we do everything um, in collaboration, um, you know, to your point before, unless you're a brain surgeon, you know, or a NASA, something amazing, um, you can't achieve anything by yourself. You know, you must work in a team and you have to work collaboratively and your goals and your strategy must be aligned or you won't actually get the outcome that you want. So, um, and especially businesses like these, you know, events and styling and um, hire and, you know, people and retail and blah, 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 blah. You know, there's so many components that go into, you know, the makeup of what we do. Everyone must see the end picture. Everyone must see the dream. And they need to see how they're a part of that dream Mm. to make it, you know, really effective. Otherwise, you're just pushing shit uphill. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think part of that, when you're a leader and a visionary like yourself, your passion is something that's so contagious 
and people people are drawn to that and everyone wants to be part of something they want to belong and that's what kind of draws us to connection and and you know you can sort of look psychologically into the whole events and and gatherings and why we want to be part of things and also beautiful events and things like that is that why you love gathering people as well because obviously you've got a great love for people and and you you love making people feel special and valued and part of something is that is that why you love it so much yeah, I think it, it, you know all, all these things. If you unpack them, it always goes back to childhood, right? So mm. for me, you know, I was the um, the youngest child, and you know there was a bit of you know, nothing terrible, but there was always sort of angst in my family between my sisters and my parents, or my parents and my sisters. So there was you know fighting. When I say fighting, I wasn't you know rocking in a corner kind of mm. thing. But my role in that um, relationship was to be the pleaser. So I would be able to put out the fire and diplomatically bring everyone back together. And so um, that was sort of my, you know, my role in that family relationship. So that becomes a talent that you have before you even realise it. You only see it when you look back and go on risk takers and say, oh, why did I do that? (laughs) So you become a pleaser. So when you're a pleaser, you know, and pleasers are very good in hospitality because you're putting up with the general public who are, you know, fascinating, Mm -hmm. um, let alone working with private wealth, which is even more fascinating, or corporate. (laughs) Yeah. So part, part of your role is to please and to make things work and to make them smooth. So that comes, I think, from your DNA, and I think that's a really important important part of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, events and people coming together, they're joyous things, right? So yeah. for me, you know, I, I, a lot of my mates who went to school, you know, we were brought up, oh, if your dad was a doctor, you should be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. And so, I, you know, I know a lot of grey men who, you know, are my age and they're having a bloody shit old time because yeah. it's not actually what they do every day. Now, it's not to say there's not some brilliant lawyers and some brilliant doctors who are having a great time, but if you're not doing something that provides you passion and is really utilising the best you and your best skills, then it's sort of time wasted. You know, and that's not to say you can't be a brilliant golfer Mm. and you get your joy somewhere else. But I believe that if you're at work for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, that should be, you should be nurturing yourself during that as well, because then you get a double dip when you're with your mates and with your family. So I think it's really important to be in a working environment that's positive and, and really engaging. And that's for everyone in the team. So whether you're washing the dishes or you're doing major events around the world, you should be, you know, having fun. That's right. Yeah, one of the things I I asked myself when I, I quit my job in marketing years ago and uh, I, I knew I wanted adventure and I asked, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew there was more in me and I asked myself, what would I do for free? What, what, what do I love so mm. much that I would do it for free without even getting paid? And that's, it's kind of kind of like, our passions are the clues to our purpose, and if we can be lucky enough to do what we and I believe everyone can, if you if you kind of you got to dig deep and work it out. Been doing it for free all year, and we're <laughs> still having fun. <laughs> I know. Oh, and I want I want to talk to you about this because yeah, I can imagine this year for for everyone in hospitality, in events, retail hospitality, events hospitality. Let's rewind rewind to March. I was on breakfast radio and announcing, you know, the Grand Prix weekend and COVID and all this kind of like we don't know what's happening and and then, you know, we look back to then and, and think, what have we what have we done now? And uh, your I actually spoke to a couple of your staff at the launch of the Commons and just the joy that they shared with me about working with you and in your team, particularly after probably the hardest year of all of our lives, it's just a testament to the, the culture that you've developed. And so I just wanted to ask you, you stood down 1,400 employees and you've been creative and you've found jobs for them and you've pivoted so brilliantly. How does it feel after 
after you know being on that journey this year and now coming out and launching this incredible venue, The Commons, at Ormond Collective? Well, um, patting myself on the back is not one of the things I am good at, which is funnily <laughs> enough for someone with such a big personality. I'll do that so for you then. I know. <laughs> I don't see the journey finished. I suppose that's also part of it. Um, so for me, you know, we're at the very initial stages of, of, of the new business. Um, and the purpose of the commons was um, never really – like people measure things in different um, – in different with different values, I suppose. And and money has never been my driver, mm. albeit profitability is terribly important to business success. Yep. But I would prefer to value our business based on its culture, you know, yeah. as, as you said. So, you know, the Commons was really done for my, my own mental health to a certain degree, just mm. to bloody have something to look forward to, yeah. um, to keep our brand relevant with regards to our broad sort of customer base. And most importantly, to keep our people engaged and, and, and that culture really vital and yeah. alive. So when, you know, you talk of um, how they're feeling, you know, everyone was in the trenches together. Mm. We're all climbing out of the trenches together. And that's a really, I, I see that as being a really positive thing yeah, and, and a positive result of what's, you know, if you focus on how terrible COVID is and you focus on the pandemic, it's very hard to actually raise your thinking up yeah. and look for solutions and and that 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 comes easier for someone like me who is and I you know say this um, with respect um, in a more privileged situation and when I say privileged I don't say mean financially privileged but definitely that helps but I mean positivity mm-hmm. privilege because yeah. I actually wake up even if it's the worst of the worst of the worst I'm going to find a solution somewhere because that to me is the challenge of the day and um, as I said to some of the guys, you know, we're not, you know, being shot at right now, you yeah. know, and no one in this team has a health issue that we can't get over, you know, being being terminal cancer or MS or something. It's just so horrific. Everyone's babies are like healthy and well. So what have mm. we actually got to complain about? We're going to have less less of stuff that we've probably got too much of anyway. Yeah. So where is this, where's the gold lining here? Like where's the gap, you know, and... And that's the thing I talk about a lot to the team is there's always a gap in business. You know, money never goes away. It just goes somewhere else. So the art is to find it and then find the gap that people are really looking for. And then you can, you know, go in with a creative plan and a product and a marketing and, and, and then build the operations that go behind that. And then that's business again, you know, and that's, provides the fun and the joy and the culture mm. and then scale and all the other things that come with it. So it's it's sort of, a, you know, it's like climbing a hill, you know. Yeah. You do puff out a bit in the middle, but when you get to the top and get to look out, isn't it beautiful? I and know. then you get, a, you get a little break because you can walk down and it's easier to breathe on the way down. So, I don't know, I, I, find, it, um, I find all of that fun and um, engaging and exciting. Yeah, and I think this year, I mean, I, I'm the same as you. I, I, I tend to... I'm positive as well and I, I love to think about all the beautiful things that have come out of this time and especially mm. the engagement and the authentic connection that's come from, pe- you know, just talking to people and just asking questions in the supermarket and, and saying, you know, how are you, how are you doing, just connecting and showing kindness and, yeah, just really looking at these tiny little things. And I think we, we have... I think they're not tiny though, Nat. I think no. they're massive. And, yep. and if I have fear, I have fear that everything goes back to in inverted commas normal yeah. and then we lose the lessons because the lessons are really vital. Yeah. Like we were, you know, we were too spoiled, you know, right. we just had so much of everything and and now what we've realised or what I think, you know, the big learnings are is that, you know, you're watching spring come 
is really beautiful, mm-hmm. right? It's amazing. Yeah. You know, being with your family and so many dads I know have got young kids, you know, for those boys to be at home where, and I'm, I'm being generalist, right, or, or, you know, female executives, you know, to be, have, to be able to be home with your family all together as a unit, whatever a family looks like, mm. that's massive, you know, and I think that there's so many beautiful things. I've seen people just sitting at the park mm-hmm. on grass, I mean, beautiful. Yeah. Now, of course, there's horror, you know, people, parents have passed away and they haven't been able to see them and been able to bury them with respect. People, you know, totally you know, devastated financially, et cetera. So I don't say any of this without a deep knowledge of what is going on and the horror that this pandemic has caused and is continuing to cause and will will continue to cause. But that has to be put as a separate, you know, dialogue. Yeah. And, and and I could go on all week about that too. But um, if the overarching thing is about learning lessons for the you know the broader um, part of the community, then there are some great lessons that we want to learn and, and continue to live by. Absolutely, and just the enjoying the simple things in life and. Mm. You know, just before cafes were open, I just was so excited to just have a coffee and a glass, you know, and just and just like <laughs> or a beautiful take, you know, takeaway cup, but you walk around a garden and, and mm. it's just um I think, yeah, there is so much to be thankful for. And And yeah. you put that into perspective, you know, yeah. when you read about the you know, the Syrian crisis and, you know, those people just getting on a boat and going to nowhere with, you know, a few dollars strapped to their leg to then finally end up somewhere with their family safe. Now that's that's real progression, right? So yeah. that's going through true horror and coming out the other side. And I bet when they watch Spring, they go, Oof, this <laughs> is really good. So, you know, we've gone through with something, but we haven't really on a deep level gone through, you know, that much. Not yeah. With them. No, I know. I, I agree. And I think uh, um, just kind of ch- turning a little bit, the uh, rudder a little bit in terms of um, it has been a massive reset for people and that's what I've I've been trying to look at in terms of my own life and just friends that, you know, maybe on a journey and then because of this time you you put everything on the table, you put all the cards out and you're like, okay, what do I actually want to do? Like my life is precious. Life is, mm. we get one chance at this. So what do I really want to do with the rest of my days and just reassessing everything and in terms of dreaming big or oh, sorry what were you going to say no, I, say, I love that bit, you know and, and that to me has been the really exciting part of it yeah because there's a part in the beginning you know you speak to your advisors and so what should we do and they say oh the best thing to just be closed down mm. and I'm like uh, hell no I yeah. mean you know they're so like you can go you retire tickety boom it's like um that's like not in my agenda right? <laughs> no. I've got people here who are part of my business family you know yes. which is just as important as my family family and yeah. my job is to work with them to protect their families and their their, ki- their kids school fees and mortgages and all that stuff so that like is not an option yeah. but the the bit that then you go okay what's happened out of all of this yeah you know it's a total reset yeah so we're not um you know restarting a 30-year-old business we're in startup mode mm. and that's so fun because then you get to to your point you get to dream big again yeah. you know and so yeah. the offers you know the commons i said was really about culture and getting us working, you know, it wasn't about profit, but it is about brand and marketing. And yeah. so we, we are having the most interesting offers coming in because every market's being reset, right? Yeah. So what hospitality used to look like isn't the way it used to look like prior. So people are coming to us with really interesting things that aren't in the scope of, you know, we always have this problem, everyone says, oh, they're a caterer. I say, mm, well, hell no, we, we sort of make food, but we do a whole lot of other stuff. We're yes. really a hospital agency. Uh-huh. And so um, really interesting things are coming in. So, you know, you change and you pivot, that word. Um, but out of that, not only comes the product that you create, but all the stuff that surrounds that. And that's the really exciting part about restarting or starting up a new business. Yeah. 
And one of my favourite things to do is just to look up people that have done great things all through their life, even later in life. People that launched things in their 90s and their 80s and their 70s. And I mean, 70s, not my parents in their 70s. You can do anything at any time and it's never too late. That's the whole the whole point of this podcast is because some people would say, you know, they're more risk, risk takers or more risk averse. And someone said to me the other day, one of my good girlfriends, she said, oh, I'm scared. Oh, I don't know about this. And I said to myself, like, what would Nat do? And I was like, oh, that's like the biggest compliment someone could say it. Um, people would say that about you for sure, absolutely. Um, but risk, come, risk comes in every form, right? So, yes. you know, on about day four or something, you know, we'd been building down here, bloody digging gardens and painting boxes with all the team, you know, because we had all the job keepers and we wanted to do it together. Yes. And about day three, this gentleman comes in, he was probably, I think he's 74 or 76, and he said, you know, are you looking for any more staff? And I'm assuming he's thinking about his grandson or granddaughter or something. And I said, oh, look, we're always open to, you know, anyone good. And I jokingly said, what's your specialty? He winked at him and he said, well, I water a mean garden. And I said, I said well, well, you're employed. And so Russell, he comes in every morning from six to eight and waters the garden. Now, where would I have found someone who lives, you know, two blocks away, who is as passionate and as caring as mm. Russell, who's our oldest big group employee. I mean, how bloody brilliant is that? But he took a risk to walk in yes. and actually ask the question. That's right. Of course, we've taken a risk to take him on, but it was pretty minimal, huh? Yes, And yes. so out of that, he's meeting all these lovely people and, you know, gets his coffee in the morning with all our kids. And now there's some ladies who are asking if they can water the garden too. <laughs> <laughs> Out of risk comes opportunity. That's fantastic. Yes, <laughs> out of risk comes opportunity. It's so true. Yeah, to be brave, that's to live, right? You, you have to actually mm. just take that choice. And I, I love that story. I'm so glad you shared it because it's easy to be safe, but um, yeah, you can't really live your your amazing life and your potential if you don't do something scary, you know, do something that scares well, you every single day. Yeah, I find it frustrating. You know, we work with a lot of brands, as you know, corporate brands, and, you know, we work on a strategy of, you know, where we position this, how do we make this work? And so many of them have bravery as part of their, you know, core um, fundamentals. And it's like, you know what, if you're going to say it, you've actually got to mm. live it. And they're so scared sometimes because I find large-scale organisations fascinating, you know, because I always have the, you know, opportunity to work for myself and I've been able to make whatever decisions I want. Yep. And, you know, if we we bugger it up, we bugger it up, but it's always, you know, no investors, you know, always our own money. And so, you know, you can be nimble to make quick decisions. But, you know, the mechanism of a large-scale organisation and publicly listed and boards and all that, that was always my desire to actually end up running a large-scale organisation just, just to see if you could turn that ship in another way mm. to provide culture and innovation, flexibility and still really great strategy. So I find those organisations so fascinating, but, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think I'll ever do that now. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you're, you're, on, you're on your own amazing ship, your ocean liner, and you're just <laughs> steering it, uh, leading the way. Um, well, just a few more little questions that I would love to ask you. In terms of your personal strategies, what are what are the non-negotiables and secret strategies that you would say keep you focused? Are you a routine person um, in terms of incorporating certain things at certain times of the day, or do you need to see family at certain? What what keeps you on top of your game? Funny, you know, I only actually worked this out and probably because of COVID. Mm. Um, and, and it's interesting, and once again, maybe it goes back to DNA and psyche. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I must have control in my personal life. It's really important to me. So I, you know, for 
30 years, got up every day at 5am, was at the gym by 5.30, trained five, six days a week, you know, had breakfast in the same coffee shop and then went to the office and I was there by 7, 7.15. So even to this day, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I do this, Tuesday, Thursday, I do that, Saturday, I do that, Sunday, I have the day off or something. So I need that in my life. And and I never realised actually until COVID why that was so important to me because most of the rest of my days for, you know, 30 years, whatever, were out of my control. Mm. So, you know, once the office opened or once my, I got into my appointment schedule, um, the whole of the day up till about six o'clock was controlled by my client base because yep. whatever they want, um, I would make happen because back to the pleaser thing, that's our job to please our customers, our guests, that's hospitality. And then in the evenings, you know, from sort of 6.30 until sort of 10, 30, 11, is a myriad of problems and live events and things going on where I'm, you know, running around town changing from black tie to a white thing to a this to a that. <laughs> and, and that's been my life. So to have that control mechanism piece in the morning, one of my physicality, because I really do believe if you're not physically fit, you can't become financially fit and you can't become emotionally fit. I think yeah. you need everything working at the same time. But it's also that sense of order was very important to keep me calm. So, yeah, so that's always been a really important um, piece to me. And then from a family point of view, I mean, that's where Cheeks has been, like, unbelievable. You know, like, you know, our home has always been such a sanctuary because, Mm. you know, I would always go there and it was always calm and it was always beautiful. Um, And, you know, that was always just so important to us. So during COVID, you know, we were so happy because we, apart from not having kids, the only thing that got to both of us throughout the COVID was BJ living in Boston and Chessie, you know, in New York and going to LA. So not having them, you know, was the only thing that emotionally really got to us. But having a beautiful home environment and enjoying that together without the need for anybody else is really important to both of our balances, really. Yeah, and especially early in the morning. I mean, that, you know, you kind of get your mind in the right space. And and I was going to ask you also, you know, working in such high high capacity, high octane, fast paced role, what in terms of when you feel overwhelmed or when there's, you know, stress, how do you... What's your go-to for that? Oh, I totally internalise it, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I've had all these bloody gut issues <laughs> ever since I read that book, that wonderful book that I can't remember what it's called, but it was the best book and it's, it's the, open, the opening line is from this girl, she, she found this little rash on her leg and <laughs> it was red and it never changed and I looked down and I thought, oh, I've got a little rash on my leg. But all, <laughs> and I read this book and all of a sudden I had gut issues. It was very fashionable to have gut issues too. But as you go through the pendulum of that, you yeah. know, if, you, you know, if you run by your gut, and you internalise a lot of stuff, then that that's actually not good for your health. So you actually do have to let things out. I have learned that all the time. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I internalise it, and um, then I process it, and mm-hmm. then I try to find a solution. Mm. Yeah. And things like yoga are really good for me because yeah. um, one, it's the stretching is really important because I do a lot of weight stuff, and yeah. then the stretching is beautiful. But the bit I love the most is when I would say to her, tell me a little story. So I lie down with my blanket. Yes. You know, she puts me down the river and the little petal flops down and a kookaburra sings and stuff. And so yes. for me, that 10 minutes of just absolute yep. peace mm-hmm. is where I can turn my mind off. Yeah. And, and then you become more, it's, it's not the right word, but you become more empowered yes. because your focus is clean again. And yep. I think COVID did that mm. for a lot of us because you had time to really stop and, um, you know, the spring leaves yeah and be kind to ourselves too 
Yeah. Well, I think I can leave it there because I am so inspired and just over the moon with our chat right here. And I I just want to thank you for your time and your generous storytelling. And I'm excited to see what's down the track. Oh, there'll be fun things. There's always something down the track. And we're working on a few good things at the moment. So it's great. Nat, thank you for the opportunity. It was just lovely to properly meet you. Um, when we opened the Commons the other week. (laughs) And um, yeah, thank you for the time. It's always nice to have a chat. My pleasure. All right. Have a great week and I'll chat with you soon. Done. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Risk Takers podcast. Please share this with as many people as you can. And if you loved it, please give us a five-star rating so more people can be encouraged. I would love to add you to our risk list. So let me know when you take your first step. Hashtag 1 million risks and send me an email via natbox.com.au so we can all cheer each other on. And whatever you're facing right now, just know that you're not alone. You're braver and more courageous than you think. I'll see you next time. Love you. Love you.